I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is created on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri, Wurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nations and I pay my respect to their elders past and present. I extend this respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples connected to each of the hundreds of countries around so-called Australia. I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Law, the podcast. I am Rose Inglis, founder of Rose Tinted Law and your host. RTL is a professional development platform for curious and open-minded legal professionals. This podcast is a space to have honest conversations about legal careers with people who are boldly carving out their unique place in our profession. Now, my next guest needs no introduction. If you are a lawyer in Australia or a lawyer who hangs out on TikTok or Instagram, I am sure that you have come across James Dapache. He's well known for his coffee in a case note videos and dishing out career advice and insights into life as a commercial lawyer on Instagram and TikTok. James is also a director at Chamberlain's Law Firm, where he specializes in director's disputes. He's also one of Australia's most prolific legal content creators, highly skilled at marketing himself and his law firm across social media. He has tens and thousands of followers across all the platforms, and he has a podcast. You may or may not know that James is from a dynasty of sorts. He's James Dapache of Mackets and Dapache Lawyers, one of Australia's oldest commercial law firms and where he spent the early part of his career. He comes from a long line of commercial lawyers. He was born into a huge amount of privilege and what I respect about how James shows up is that he acknowledges all of this. He talks about it and he uses his social media platform not just for business development purposes but also to engage in more substantial conversations like privilege and speaking out about social justice issues so that he's also educating his audience as he goes. In this honest conversation, James and I cover everything from whether his decision to become a lawyer was destiny or choice, how his community radio and rap career provided him with transferable skills that provided a really solid foundation to become a successful commercial litigator. We also talk about privilege and doing the work, why we should all be feminists and the importance of listening and changing your mind and living and learning. We also talk about imposter syndrome and how that's actually fuel for the fire, the 8119 rule, how he balances work, family, and content creation, as well as his advice for others. I hope you enjoy this honest conversation and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities as to where your legal career may take you. This episode of Rose Tinted Law is proudly brought to you by Clarence. For more than 25 years, Clarence has built a reputation for the unique and sophisticated offices, ideally located in the legal precincts of Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. But what truly sets Clarence apart is their member services. To find out why over 500 legal practices call Clarence home, you can check out their extremely workable membership options at clarenceprofessionalgroup.com.au. Thank you for having me. Good fun. Good fun. I'm really excited to interview you today. I love all of your content and all the various interesting things you do from educating us on directors' disputes and directors' duties. 
two scary movies. The director's disputes is definitely the most fun of those two. So, <laughs> so Rose, that's very generous of you. Uh, look, they're both, they're both equally fun. So looking forward to chatting about them and really appreciate the chance to pop on to the podcast to chat about them today. I want to start from the very beginning. When and why did you decide to study law? Well, I come, if you can't tell from the ugly private school accent, I come from a reasonably privileged background. My dad was a lawyer. His dad was a lawyer. His dad was a lawyer. So all I knew growing up was I'm never going to fucking do that. (laughs) And, of course, that's a resolve that's very strong as like an angsty teen, 17-year-old. At university, I did a degree that was arts and economics, and I ended up focusing more on arts that was history than contemporary Australian history. And I got an okay mark there and found myself in my early 20s with that qualification to talk about um, things that didn't necessarily lead directly to a job. And so <laughs> that was I like did... me in anthropology back yeah, in the day. Nice. <laughs> 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 like, hey, I've got some fascinating stuff to say about the death of the author and how Roland Barthes is super influential to the way we perceive beer advertising in Australia in the 1990s, but <clears throat> not super relevant to, um, to a lot of places where I was looking for jobs. And so I did what I think is now called a JD, what was then called graduate law. So law degree is a single degree. Through that time, I was making music and doing music journalism and working at a radio station and working at a pub and hosting trivia nights. And I like to think of myself as a very renaissance law student. But after that, I then worked to get my PLT. So, so that sort of initial qualification. And after that, I worked at a number of different firms. And the more time passed and the more experienced I got as a very junior person and then as an admitted lawyer and then having some experience working in a small suburban law firm, having a nice experience there, and then moving into sort of what might be called a small mid-tier firm in Sydney. The more time passed, the more experience I got, the more it got under my skin. So my <laughs> my experience of becoming a lawyer was starting off, no, don't want to do it, but uh, with familiarity bred affection. And so we now find ourselves in the position that I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And I'm really grateful and lucky to be doing a job that I, uh, I'm going to say love. I know that's a real uh, cliche, a job good. I enjoy, a job that brings me fulfillment and that I enjoy. So you I'll, seem really happy doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's all a front. It's all a mask. Um, <laughs> it's all just good BD. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. It's all good. So you mentioned that you were involved in community broadcasting <laughs> and rapping back in the day. What did you do there and how has that kind of helped you be the hotshot commercial lawyer that you are today? Yeah, no, um, firstly, on the point of hotshot, I I think social media can make things look more exciting than they actually are, even Mm. if you're not standing in front of a Ferrari holding cash. The very presence of saying, hello there, this is my job, is itself quite an assertive thing to do. And what it does is plant in other people the idea that I'm somehow elevated above the probably 20 or 30 other people who are very good in my space. It's a funny little niche area of litigation I do. So I don't hold myself out as any really way above anyone else out there. I'm probably just a bit louder and probably just present in a couple more online spaces than Mm. than a lot of people who are as good as and maybe better, but hopefully (laughs) not much better than me um, in, in, in my space. But the way that radio and rapping led there, rap came from battling of that's the sort of the improvised insults to your opponent in time with the beat sort of scenario that disappointingly was made very prominent by the Eminem biopic 8 Mile. 
it's essentially that, right? You go stand on stage, someone puts on a beat, you know, do 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 ching, do 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 ching, and you go, hey, here's my mean thing to say about you or members of your family. There's some mean insults for you. And what that skill set allows you to do is to continue to deliver content of some kind without really breaking the character you're in. And so especially when you're at a bar table attempting to use the judge's attention as best you can, or indeed doing a video marketing project where you're trying to hold together a lot of fine technical facts, it's a skill set that allows you to just maintain your external sense of calm and (laughs) while in your head you are panicking wildly and trying to stitch stitch together lots of little ideas. So that sort of freestyle rap background was back in a time where hyper-privileged middle-class white Australians doing rap wasn't a fairly awkward, the awkward proposition it is now. It's, it's, It's an era I look back on with fondness. And I'm occasionally asked if I want to pick up the mic again to record things. And the answer is, oh, God, no, we do not need need an old white middle class lawyer being like, yo, kids, here's some some fire. Um, So it's very much consigned to the past where it belongs. But but I've got great affection for it. And and it's sort of given me a bit of an insight. You're not tempted to do a little freestyle rap on commercial litigation for us today? Uh, Absolutely not. No, zero temptation. I've done a few TikToks that are duets with beat makers that were always fun, but they're just being mean to other lawyers, which is good to do. But nothing nothing beyond sort of little, the silly little party trick of just being able to put together a couple of couplets that are mean about someone or mean about their mum or whatever. And then radio similar, right, of your attempt to deliver content in a reasonably concise way to go, you know, hello there, thanks for your attention, here's what I've got to say, okay, I'm getting out of your way. And there's there's that line, if we take the example of appearing before a judge, of a quick appearance is a good appearance. Mm-hmm. So if I can appear before Justice Inglis and go, Your Honour, I'm hoping to get one, two, three, the reason for one is this, the reason for two is this, and the reason for three, I hope you agree with my view of this area of law or my view of this interpretation of the facts. Thanks so much. And hopefully you get out of the way as effectively as you can, having got to the point as effectively as you can. And ironically, that's a long-winded explanation for why it's important to get to the point quickly. No, it's a good one. I think it's interesting. I love thinking about transferable skills and actually how you get them and how two completely separate things are all like it's all leading to the same place and it will help you because I've certainly experienced that and I continue experiencing that as I grow RTL as well. And that's such a good point because it's sometimes something you only realise in hindsight yeah. um, that, that it's kind of like, oh, my ability to throw a great dinner party or you know my ability to be great at hacky sack is strangely relevant to you know, making a new connection with someone who who I might be able to help professionally or whatever it might be. So I think there can often be that anxiety, especially when you're in the earlier phase of your career, where you're saying, how does me pouring beers three nights a week make sense in the context of all my other fellow students who are doing clerkships at big firms whose brand names I've heard of? There can be a real anxiety about that. And Mm. I think with the benefit of hindsight that you and I have, Rose, there's an element where you can put back together of like, oh, yeah, okay, the skills I developed doing something apparently irrelevant actually turned out to be really helpful. Mm. 
And I think now with all different social media platforms and all of this technology, we can now apply it and create and innovate in really interesting ways. And we also have platforms now that make it much easier. Like you don't have to go through the radio station anymore to get to that audience. You literally can create it yourself. I don't have to go through institutions like universities or law societies or whatever. People could just find me and I love that. And now I'm kind of glad that I did all of those weird and wonderful things in the first part of my career. Well, so, yeah. that, the, the falling of the gatekeeping, I think that's such a good point. Of, mm. If we take the example of me, how do I build a reputation as an expert-ish commercial litigator? Well, the answer 20 or 30 years ago would have been make friends with the other expert commercial litigators mm. and hope they accepted, accepted me into the club and dropped my name from time to time. And maybe you speak at a couple of events or maybe you get listed in a in a list of some kind. I'm not on any of those lists. Anyone's welcome to add me to them, of course, but I expect they'll be charged some in, in advertising remedy. Yeah. So advertising revenue for it. But that is not to like take a shot at the quite quite older or more established way of marketing your podcast or marketing your legal practice. But it's it's to agree with you, Rose, that there are more avenues open to you and I and anyone else thinking about it to share an idea that might assist someone and so potentially increase the likelihood that they're going to do business with us in future. That's one thing I really like about your approach is that you are honest about your privilege and where it's gotten you. It's Of course, it's been hard work and privilege, but I appreciate you because you are so honest about it because that's still rare in the law, <laughs> in what? many parts of the law. And I really like that about you and your content. Because as you said, like lawyers going out and promoting themselves in whichever forum it is, it's like, that's one thing. Okay. That's the bread and butter. It's what you have to do when you get to a certain point. But I really like that about yours. <laughs> uh, Rose, so- that's so kind. And Rose, that's very generous. Frankly, anyone listening to this is extremely privileged and in the you know 0.1% most wealthy people on earth. But I might literally be the most privileged person ever if you stack them up about, you know, cisheads and my neurotypicality and reasonable mental health and, and whatever other things you want to pile up on top of the white male cishet. Yeah, I try to be as conscious of all those privileges I bring cans. I'm grateful for that. What does doing the work look like to you? So, like, where has this come from? Like, it's easy to shy away from looking into your own privilege and it's much easier to just say, this is me, this is what I do, I'm so good, yada, 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 and just leave it at that. What has gone on behind the scenes for you to kind of get the confidence and what's compelled you to talk about this? It's well, still rare in the law. Yeah, which is sort of bizarre. I'm on unceded dark and jungle land as we speak is where I'm from. And, Rose, I applaud you for the rigour and of your acknowledgement that opens each of your episodes. Um, and so there's an element where there's only so long you can bury your head in the sand and say, yeah. no, no, no. I'm just like everyone else. It's just that I stayed up a bit later or worked a bit harder or committed myself a bit more. That's a really toxic myth that really entrenches the privileges that people like me and people who look and sound like me have. And so there's a very unpleasant moment of confronting that. That confrontation is not a particularly pleasant thing to have of like, oh, the achievements I've enjoyed are not really attributable to me. They're attributable to a whole bunch of accidents that I've been lucky enough to win the lotto with. So where did that confrontation come from? Well, part of it is that my studies at university, like yours, Rose, caused caused me to be very sympathetic to, I guess, what we now call intersectional feminism, what, what you know, we used to number the waves, but I think you and I would each consider ourselves intersectional feminists. 
Um, Yay, we should all be feminists. <laughs> let's do it, yes. And intersectionality, yes. Rose, yes. is important. We've got to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We've got to do it everywhere. Uh, and so there's the element, though, of hypocrisy, of course, of I still need to, quote, need, quote, quote, and we'll work it, you know, <laughs> the discussion of need can be one for another time. In order to generate work for my practice, I often sit down to lunch with three other rich old white men and drink rough Australian red wine and go, ha, 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 isn't it nice to be in business? Can you send me some more work, blogsy? Uh, isn't it funny that we went to similar high schools, right? So there's that innate hypocrisy of on one side saying, I'm checking all these privileges, and then on the other side saying, excuse me, Rose, I've got a lunch to get to where I've got to drink some port and go, ha, 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 ha. isn't it fun to be privileged and isn't it fun to pass work to your friends who are also privileged? So my engagement with the process, as you can hear, is very incomplete <laughs> and it's a work in progress, but it's a work that I consider necessary for everyone to do if they want to be a productive part of, of where you know, contemporary society should be going. And frankly, I think the internet is very valuable on that as well. I agree. I think if you're consuming the right, quote, quote, the correct type of content, I think Gen Z adopts really useful views and communicates them really clearly where some issues you won't have thought about. Like Mm. I used to feel very comfortable using words that I'm going to use now, but I'll feel uncomfortable about in about 12 months' time. Or like my opponent Mm. is crazy. Or this client is bonkers. Their approach is mad. That sort of language, again, because it's 2022, I feel comfortable with. But 2023, sorry, yes. but I imagine come 2024, I'll go, ugh, I can't believe I said that. And I so agree. that evolution of views, I think, is really valuable. It's a balance between, like, if you say nothing, then you're just acquiescing and that's a choice in and of itself. But then this is what I've been thinking about a lot this year. Like, I have a huge amount of privilege and a small amount of influence, so how am I going to use that? And I think that we can't just let it be in the hands of the minorities to educate everyone else. Like, we have to lead some of the conversation or contribute to some of the conversations as well. Are we going to get it right all the time? No, we're not. Are we trying? Yes, we are. Are we learning? Are we growing when we're wrong and change? Yes, I hope so. We have to. Even questions like gender. So, so, so Rose, mm. part, part of the reason we're talking now is that I've, I've done an online marketing project I guess, that involves summarising legal cases and then commenting on the law. And, of course... I love you... them. Oh, Rose, thank Except you. at the end, I'm like, what happened? Oh, yeah. It'll be like, <laughs> so they were granted leave to have an argument another day. Okay, like, goodbye. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you've got me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd use phrases like she or he. So if you have a director, then she or he will be doing this, that or the other. And so it's only with time... Like I consider that to be a very inclusive phrase when I began this project. Mm. I was like, great, that covers the field. When, of course, I now understand that that's sort of denying an identity for a really significant portion of the population. And I, and I feel some shame and embarrassment. I don't go back and delete things and re-edit things because I mm. see some value in it being a record of a moment in time. Mm. But it's something that I really look back on with absolute bare minimum awkwardness but sort of a little bit of shame in there as well that i didn't get educated i just sat there going like yeah, yeah i'm doing the work she or he that's yeah, the, yeah. all the possible genders out there They're, they've both been ticked yeah more work to be done by all of us so I agree with you. your legal career has been precisely different to mine you've like entered commercial law right away all the way up the ranks and now director of a firm so 
I really wanted to talk to you all about that journey and kind of how you've done it, how your role has changed. So did you choose commercial law or did it choose you? Uh, a bit of the latter. I, yeah. I always thought I was going to be a cool media and IP lawyer, man. Oh, and yeah. And I on like technology and defamation <laughs> and, you know, when famous people got in arguments or like when software oh, yeah. companies wanted to move into new markets or when someone's novel was plagiarised or whatever it might be. That's what I had in mind. What it turned out to be was that I was reasonably competent as a junior lawyer, Rosa, what you and I might call estate litigation, so just mm-hmm. things about dead people's wills and that kind of thing. And so that was where I started and I was in there for a number of years and then I sort of pivoted over to a different area of practice of building and construction, so disputes about that sort of thing, contract disputes. And is this building How did you pivot? Was it hard or easy? There was yeah, a yeah. breakdown of a relationship with the partner I was working with and so yep. I began working with a different partner in a different right. practice area. It's probably the smoothest way to put it. And so that pivot, I worked with a lovely man there who was a great mentor to me. David Andrews, hello, how are you? And the more time passed, the more I came to realise that I was a pretty good too hard basket. Um, so if there was something challenging, it would sometimes be passed to me. And I had this line that I liked about myself, whether it's true or not, was that, you know, I always try to score tries from hospital passes. And Rosie, if you know the <laughs> metaphor of a hospital pass, the idea is that it's in rugby league or rugby union. It's, it's like it's a bad pass. It floats up in the air. So I'm waiting to catch it. And it gives my opponents enough time to the moment I catch it, crunch me and drive me into the ground. So that's a hospital pass. But in rugby league and rugby union, scoring a try, scoring some points. So my idea is, yeah, throw me a hospital pass where I'm just about to get crunched. You know, it looks really hard, but don't worry. Like that's kind of the metaphor. <laughs> Never quite works like that, but, but, but people place their faith in me for certain amounts of work. And over time, the more complex matters started to take a similar shape and they sort of started to take a shape of what I loosely refer to as co-owners disputes or partnership disputes. So sort of when people would hold shares in one company or would co-own one piece of property or would be partners in business and that relationship was falling apart for some reason, that sort of came to be an area I was trusted in. And sometimes that was siblings who each inherited shares in mum's business Sometimes that was, you know, startup founders who had nice success over a number of years and then had a falling out. Sometimes that was just established professionals in a firm and that was falling apart as well. So that sort of partnership dispute, co-owners dispute area of specialty, I guess, kind of found me over the years. And then I sort of doubled down on that because there are not a lot of people who are focusing in that area. And because it makes my online messaging a lot easier, I do this funny little area, talk to other people about other stuff, that's fine, but I'm the only person out here holding myself out as talking about this stuff, right? What does your work look like these days? It's a delicate balance as a partner, director, especially a new one and an experienced one. The way you get there is you behave reasonably effectively as a team member, right? And then you sort of jump over the other side of trying to help a whole team succeed. And so... One of the most basic challenges is delegation versus staying on the tools. So mm. when is it right for me to be on the tools, writing to a client, taking a phone call, drafting a letter, and when is it right to empower others to do that? And that's probably the biggest challenge and often most satisfying part of after being like, Rose, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Push you in the deep end. And it's like, well, that's not quite right. 
Uh, nor is, so Rose, here's precisely how you do it. Now sit down over my shoulder and shut up. I'm going to spend half an hour drafting this email. Watch how I do it and always do it exactly the same way in future. That's not necessarily perfect either, but it's trying to strike that balance between delegating the work in a genuine way and placing your faith in someone to say, look, I'm here to support you, but you go off and do it now and let me know if you've got a problem versus sometimes a client comes to you for you and so trying to honour that as well. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, I'm engaged in this matter as well. I haven't just palmed it off to someone else. I'm here with you. That's an answer to what I worry about. And so the answer <laughs> to your question, Rose, is trying to strike that that balance is, is how I do client work. And then aside from that, it's some operational stuff of like you're running a medium-sized business that's got a pretty big wage bill and got some rent to pay and all that kind of thing. And that's pretty scary. How many partners at your firm? Or sorry, directors? Uh, 11. 11, yeah. And then marketing, right? You've got to bring the bring the work in through the door. And part of that's online. Part of that's drinking rusty old Shiraz with old white old white blokes. And you know, you're catching up with coffees. You're understanding certain industries. A lot of my work is referral from lawyers, and so often yeah. it'll be making sure that I'm maintaining those relationships as well. Are you a legal professional looking for the perfect space to meet with clients, have a beautiful space to work in uninterrupted and have access to a range of services that will help set you apart from the rest? Then our sponsor, Clarence Workplaces, is for you. Clarence is well known for their unique and sophisticated offices, ideally located in the legal precincts of Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. But what truly sets Clarence apart is their member services. Their on-site member services teams are dedicated to help build and grow your business. From welcoming you and your clients to supporting your business operations through IT, marketing and paralegal services, the Clarence team can assist you where and when you need it, helping you focus on what you're good at. To find out more about the extremely workable membership options, ranging from serviced offices to co-working spaces and meeting rooms and virtual offices, head to clarenceprofessionalgroup.com.au. What's your favourite aspect? (laughs) I don't know. Probably, <laughs> probably on the tools. Probably yeah. On the tools. Yeah, I think the dream work day would be full of stuff on the tools. Really, that's good. Then you get home in time to see the family. Or for, oh, I work from home someday, so full day on the tools. High fives. Spending time with kids. Uh, yeah, tools. How many children oh, do you have? I'm very lucky. Uh, I've got three. Oh, nice. Hmm. You never show them on social media. Yeah, that's right. I don't, and I don't speak about my co-parent, and I call them a co-parent, even though they they identify as female, and I've been yeah. married to them for, <laughs> for fifteen years. Yeah. But I try to sort of keep it slightly chill on the parenting private life. I'm happy to mention it here on the pod. That's fine. Yeah. But there's an element where I wouldn't like to think that I was, and this is an awkward word, and I say this without looking to be cruel or insulting to anyone. Mm. But there's a degree where I wouldn't want to leverage my children or cute dogs or whatever it might be to say, here's my little paralegal joining me today. Oh, oh whoops, it's a cute baby. Like, oh, you, you, you know, oh, here we are, just drop the squad off at school, talk about the work-life balance goals. Am I right? Hashtag 5am club. Hashtag let's get it. Hashtag yeah. hustle, hustle. Yeah. That sort of, firstly, that doesn't speak to me, content yeah. like that. Secondly, if I'm using my children as why you might be interested in me, then I'm only going to be as interesting as my children are, mm. which is to say I'm only going to be as interesting as my children are willing to be a part of my content. And just generally, I just think it's a bad look. It feels a bit yuck to me. 
it would feel a bit yuck if I was to do it again. I don't want to take shots because people do it happily, but it just doesn't speak to me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I have this conversation a lot and I think about it myself with Eddie. But for the purposes of this podcast, I do, I, like, I'm so fascinated in the juggle because yeah. every single family does it differently. Mm. And, like, we have big lives. We have big careers. Mm. We, we literally do it all, like, and I think it's interesting to acknowledge, like, I don't know, like yeah. that that is the place. It's not like we're not just doing this one thing. It's like, so. it's funny, right? I, I think that honesty, like that's that I think is the most sophisticated way to push back on my approach, right, of there's a degree, not quite a dishonesty, but I'm sitting here wearing a gold band on what is sometimes called a ring finger in Western culture and that communicates something, right? Mm. And so that's in every video I've probably recorded because you can see my hand lifting up. And so on one view... I'm revealing and concealing at the same time. And so on one view, it will be more honest to say, hey, it's really stressful to have. So one of our kids is neurodivergent in quite a profound way, and that brings serious challenges Mm. (laughs) to the way our day-to-day works and the way our week-to-week works. And on one view, that's interesting content and that that lets people in and, and, and there might be other people in a similar position who might take some heart from that and support from that. And so I'm denying that support from them. I'm denying that to them. But I think it's more just a fairly blank way of like making content like that doesn't speak to me. Mm. And so I'm not planning. First of all, thank you for sharing that. But you're just clear on what how you show up. You're super consistent. You're very clear on what you do and don't talk about. And that's not the space you're filling. Like if, it were, if that is what called to you, you, that's what you would do. But instead you love to tell us about cases and... <laughs> And all the other things, which is really interesting and really good, and that's so fine. And it's it's also enough. Yeah, that's kind. It's more than enough. Mm. That's I do I do appreciate that because that is kind of the back and forth of like I think I just kind of look like some old white suit who has a cup of coffee and has a chat about director's duties, which I sort of am, but that's (laughs) concealing another facet of you know what's what's just share what you're comfortable with. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, well. Likewise. <laughs> you have a really big following on social media from Instagram to LinkedIn and TikTok. Mm. How do you, cha- like, do you change it all the way that you show up on different platforms? Yeah, absolutely. So TikTok has almost, quote, quote, devolved just into Q&A for me. Mm. So I don't spend any time thinking about TikTok content at all. I'll pop on once a day and say any interesting questions. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. You know, I've got my first job interview next week or someone will say something mm. mean and I want to go in about it or someone will say something nice and I want to say yeah. thanks or, yeah. or someone will ask a fairly technical question or someone will ask a question about career paths or something that will just catch my imagination and I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool, let's go answer that. So for me, TikTok has <laughs> evolved into it's just essentially a Q&A yeah. um, scenario. That's nice and easy. Yeah, oh, it exactly. Looks easy. It looks exactly. easy. Yeah, it's very, very low. I want to get very... mine to there, but I don't know, like, how to get there anyway. Uh, yeah, look, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? Like, like, yeah. I, I joined it in mid-2019. Yeah. So I sort of took the benefit of having a jetpack attached to all of the old accounts. So, mm. you know, my follow count is the same as it was in early 2020, pretty much. Oh, really? I haven't got any new followers in the last three years. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I no, get no, comparisonitis no. massively yeah, don't, don't at the moment. Yeah. But then I'm like, as soon as I talk to someone or as soon as I scratch below the surface, I'm like, just yeah. don't. So you'll see, <laughs> the, like that. you'll see the views I get are probably the same as yours, more or less, in the, you know, late hundreds, a couple of thousands, maybe sometimes. Mm. And then occasionally there'll be a jetpack strapped to one of like 30 or 40,000. You just have to get into beef for that. So I got into some beef on TikTok. Oh, was that about the Australia Day post? Yeah. 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 Nice. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm happy to go into that or not. Oh, yeah, if you want yeah. to. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, okay. Well, well, there was a content creator who I worked at the same spot with, that, that suburban firm I mentioned earlier, who rose to prominence on TikTok. When I last saw them, they had a following of about 130,000 followers and became very prominent. And frankly, it, it's quite attractive content in a way, sort of quite, quite glib and quite upfront and sort of take me as I am, which I actually find generally quite attractive of someone who's quite self-assured to be like, yeah, hey, bang, this is the view from me, bang, there, you got it. And they made a post that was reviewing a restaurant that had a special on related to the 26th of January and they referred to the day of 26th of January as Australia Day and said, hey, look, here's the Australia Day special, something along those lines. There were then comments made underneath that creator's video that said something like, oh, hey, treating that day as a day to celebrate is probably not great in future it'd be great if you could just sort of have a think about the kind of impact this is due to first nations people and comments like this can kind of push the conversation back and so there was then a reply video where it was like uh look i caught a little bit of hate uh, as a result of this restaurant review video i'm just calling it what the restaurant called it here's me holding up my calendar to the tiktok you see this is the name of the day this is what 26th of january called this is simply what i'm calling it and so as you can imagine, that doubling down was quite inflammatory oh. and there was a huge array of responses to that. And because this is a creator who I had co-signed a number of times and there are old TikToks of me saying, hey, follow this creator. They are great. They're awesome. And there's lots of me doing that. I was like, okay, I need to distance myself from this. And so I made a post that was like, hey, I don't endorse these racist views or views that I characterize as racist. And so just to be clear, this is a relationship I have with this person. I don't endorse the views they've shared. And <laughs> I got a call later and then I took down that first TikTok and put up a different one uh, that nonetheless distanced me from the position and confirmed I considered the views racist. But I look, apparently dealt with it. I'm still waiting to get a concerns notice and we'll see if anything flows from that. But it's those TikTok beef posts uh, that tend to go places. And ironically for that creator, it's probably the most popular post I've made in about a year. Have you spoken about it in real life as well? Or just no, they blocked TikTok? me instantly. But I've spoken really? With their, yeah, but I've spoken with their business partners. Whoa. <laughs> their approach has okay. sort of been to block all criticism. So a lot of First Nations creators make quite extremely level-headed, I think, in the circumstances, critiques of the comment that were an attempt to educate. Oh, my God. They were all blocked. And, and so it sort of devolved into like an alley. I imagine, well... I've been blocked, so I haven't seen it. But I imagine it's devolved into like an Alex Jones style, like here's my view on why the COVID vaccine is tricking you. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not an approach I admire or want to follow. (laughs) So I expect I'm off the Christmas card list, but I don't particularly care. (laughs) No. How do you balance your work, your family and your content creation? Like, do you ever get the balance right? <laughs> Is there such a thing as balance? How never. do you do it? Uh, Any secrets, please right. tell me. <laughs> the content creation, I'm very, very fortunate that it is very directly part of work. And that includes, like, that's sort of part of the healthy element of not being like, hello, it's little yes, little Blogsy. Here's another post from Blogsy. Um, that it's like, no, no, when I'm doing that, it's work and that's fine. So, Rosa, I'm on this podcast, it's work. Yeah. Work I enjoy. When I'm doing yes. TikTok, that's work. And so the balance between work and what we might call family time or, or life, you know, I enjoy my job. So my job is part of my life. I'm not dead while I'm doing it. But the balance with family time I find very difficult. So I, I work from home 
two or three days per week. And so I do school run a number of days. And oh, that's so a, nice. It's just, yeah, it's just a lot of whiteboards. It's a lot yeah. of circling. It's a full fridge. It's a lot of yeah. menu planning. It's a lot of batch cooking and thawing mm. out. So it's the same as anyone else. My challenges are the same as everyone's. Caffeine and booze play a big role in my life. Shout out to caffeine and booze. <laughs> Um, Couldn't do it without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're the real heroes. They're the real MVPs. And uh, <laughs> to be explicit, you know, shout out to mental health support. Like, like I'm also, you know, as many of us are engaging in a fairly rigorous program of therapy to work through some of the mental health excitement that comes from a role like this. Yes. I also don't sleep enough, you know, all the sort of usual stuff. Um, you're yeah. either a psychopath or are going through some form of an anxiety disorder, I think. Uh, at a certain I think level so of too. So, you know, psychopathy I'll leave for another day. <laughs> so, you know, the same as anyone. Like, you're just doing your best with yeah. whatever tools are available to you. Yeah. I've got, I've got no actual advice apart from <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> we're all doing, like, we're all doing our best and, you know, fire out. Like, that's yeah. pretty good to be doing our best. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've asked a lot of my other guests, and I want to mm. ask you this as well. Have you ever experienced either imposter syndrome or the flip, the tall poppy syndrome? Absolutely imposter syndrome. I'm experiencing it now, right? Like a lot of the social media you're, stuff. you're new to the director. Is it? No, oh, no, Sorry, no. is it within the director? No, always, like the entire time. Oh, <laughs> uh, Everything law and also rap back then of like it's sort of and it's fuel for the fire right like like hugely for me like i'm very concerned about the day well my internal monologue is often about like they're gonna find out you're just making it they're gonna find out you don't know what you're doing and so that's why it's like no better read another case like that's why you like better think more carefully about this issue that's why you're like we better reread that once twice three times so <laughs> my my imposter syndrome Similarly to yours, I expect, Rose, is, is fuel for the fire. Yeah, cool. Maybe I am the worst. Let's go. The challenge the challenge with the social media thing is that you have to try not to internalise it. The negative oh. stuff I'm happy to internalise because, again, <laughs> if, it's, if, it's, if it's constructive, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. I very rarely get negative constructive criticism these days. I haven't really got anything negative and constructive for two or three years. The negative nonsense is fuel for the fire as well because you just make content out of that and be like, yeah, hey, look, oh, yeah. great. I do look like a fat version of the guy from Suits. I think that, that's funny. <laughs> what possesses people to share comments like that? That's fine like, with me because it's share- one less idea I have to come up with for a piece of content. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Any, any clever insults anyone's got, I'll take them. Have you ever that. been influenced by Harvey Specter? No. Uh, it's the short answer. Although he does love a bagel, I think. So I'm, oh, no, he likes hot dogs, doesn't he? <laughs> Look, carbs, I'm down for carbs and a cup of coffee. So maybe yes is probably the answer. I do love some carbs and a cup of coffee. But like on the imposter syndrome point, the challenge I get with the online marketing is people saying very nice things, right? And I just, from day one, I was like, you cannot let any of that penetrate. Like people would do the goat emoji and say serious things about the influence I've had on, you know, the profession and that sort of thing. I'm just like, no, 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 no. That like, you're just a robot. You're just ones and zeros. Like this, this isn't a real thing. And so... There's an extent to which I kind of block out compliments and block out positive feedback and just need to stay centered and to be like, no, no, that's cool. Yeah, thanks very much. Cool. Thanks very much. Cool. And just be back on motoring along, hoping I don't stuff it up the next time I get a chance to stuff something up. So imposter syndrome, fuel for the fire. If you've got it, it means you care about delivering for people who put faith in you. So I, I, I think most people are 
completely restricted and have time for it and element. Imposter syndrome is good because it means that you're challenging yourself and yeah. you're outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. So I actually think it is healthy to kind of be there. Yeah. And it means that you're conscious of how you're showing up. You're not entering a room or entering a space and be like, I'm here, I'm the best, I'm doing it all, look at me, I'm so good. You're like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who knows? But I think that's a good point, bro. You know, what's the line? If you're not nervous about it, you know, you mm. shouldn't be doing it. If you're not taking some form of risk, then what are you doing? What about tall poppy syndrome? It's not. Oh, do you mean, am I the cutter of a tall poppy or am I the tall poppy to be cut? Oh, I was imagining. That's a really good question. I was asking as in you were the tall poppy. Oh, la la. Well, that's because great. Well, I've just decided I love tall poppies and this, this podcast is a place for tall poppies. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't like. Um, I don't. I don't get a lot of it. Like, there's a lot of yeah. whispers I get, and as I say, like a battle rap background is fun because I've always got the language to be like, mm. man, that like the line I take is again a solemn from this rapper Bugsy Malone. I'm obsessed with at the moment. He's like, look, they haven't really said it, so they've said it to face, right? So yeah, I get, I get a lot of whispers, and yes, man, if like if you've got nothing to say to my face, I deeply don't care. Um, yeah, and if you want to come and bring something to me, like there are a few people better prepared than me to come have an argument about. So yeah. let's, like, you, you know, what's that fabulous meme going through culture at the moment? Like, fuck around and find out. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's fuck around and find out. Whatever yes. you've got to say, come say it. Yeah. And then if you don't have anything to say, great. See you later. Yeah. So I'm I'm very, very content with anyone who wants to have a pop. That's fine. Yeah, good. I like that approach. Coffee and a case note on all your, on all your favorite platforms. <laughs> <laughs> come have a crack. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests a few tie-up questions. Yeah, yeah. Is law about who you know or what you know? Uh, I reject the dichotomy, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it depends on the phase of your career. So mm. for me at the moment, it's probably not a particularly attractive reflection on where I'm at, but it's a lot about who I know from a very capitalist, cold, calculated, get bums on seats, get numbers through the door, get money in the bank. The thing doesn't work. I can't support any teams. I can't employ any people. I can't, you know, represent any clients. So I don't have the the the, uh, the tools ringing without cash coming into the account. So that is so much of who you, who you know. But then again, the what you know is kind of where you get tested on it. So the what you know then becomes the effectiveness with which you do the work that you brought through the door. So if you're a great salesman, yeah, I mean the snake all salesman element, right? I'm like the who you know becomes hey, I got a 1,000 new clients through the door. And it's like, great, that is a good achievement. And I would be proud to do that. And anyone who's done that should be proud. And then the question of like, can you actually do the work you've sold becomes um, the next issue because it sort of becomes a selling point for the next 1,000 clients you're going to try to get through the door. So, uh, Rose, I'm so sorry to be so confrontational on your podcast. It's a great question. Completely reject the underlying distinction between the two and say they're both super important. But I guess who you know becomes increasingly important over time Mm -hmm. Uh, for junior and mid-level lawyers that what you know is going to drive you. But even the who you know of people internally at your firm who you're helping out or the who you know of someone at a different firm who might have a better opportunity for you or whatever, I think drawing a line between the two is likely to hinder career progression of whatever kind for a lawyer or whatever. That's a great response. The greatest of all time. What's up? Come at me. Um, what's your advice to others who are wanting to follow in your fabulous shoes? Mm, uh, yeah, uh, very kind, Rose. Um, 80-20, I think, is probably it. Um, done is good enough. Yeah. 
And if you did a bad one, get it on the next rather than save it and go, oh, I didn't like how my hair looked on that one. I'll go, oh, I said shareholder when I meant to say director. I'll go, oh, typo in my blog post or whatever it is. That stuff you've got to let go of, I say, in order to be productive at all. This stuff takes a huge amount of time and effort. And if you're going to sit around angsting about the fact your tie knot was loose or uh, someone said something mean to you or whatever, you're just going to find yourself caught up and not able to move forward. So 80-20 or maybe 81-19, you want to be precise as you can, but it doesn't have to be edited within an inch of its life and it doesn't have to be refined beyond all recognition because firstly, that'll make you less productive and secondly, it'll make you more anxious. 81-19. 81-19, I love that. And actually, very, very good advice to me right now. So thank you very much (laughs) for my personal pet talk here. Yeah, you can do it, right? (laughs) Um, Rocket emojis all day. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you wish you could tell your younger self? No, no, nothing, nothing. I'm not messing with my timeline. This is the bet, like uh, Back to the Future 2 is a very formative movie for people as old as me. And the alternate timeline where I think Biff's got a casino and that sort of thing and has married Marty's mum, that always really freaked me out. So I don't want to send any ripples through the timeline at all. I'm not whispering anything to myself. No, you know, horse racing outcomes, no legal tips, no career tips or anything like that. The only one thing I would think about was there was a battle in 2007 called with the overblown name of the World Rap Championships, but there was a line it came to me like five seconds after the end of the battle. I was like, ah, if only I'd said that. So I, may, I might go whisper that line in my ear ahead of time. But apart from that, no. But if if I can manhandle the question, or if man, well, in fact, that's a, that's a phrase I haven't looked into before. That's very unfortunate. Question. Person handle. Person handle. <laughs> <laughs> so I can bash around the question a little bit. Um, I think what, what's advice for people earlier along in their journey I think keep keep going is one good bit of advice. For example, you might be saying, oh, this law degree is hard. Should I quit or keep going? I think the answer to that is unless there's a very obvious alternative, like you've been offered a very exciting job and that's a direct opportunity, then I think you do keep going. And it's worth it, whether for the actual outcome of going into practice or hosting a podcast like someone I know (laughs) or whether it's getting enough data to say, okay, I've done that now and it's not me. It's not, it's not where I'm at because you might be surprised at the outcome. My position in the final year of uni was, you know, the question was asked of everyone, my advanced corporate law class, essentially what I do is advanced corporate law and who's going into practice. Two thirds of the hands went up. The balance of the third, what are you doing? I'm going into banking. What are you doing? Working a family business. What are you doing? Activism. What, what am I doing? I was like, I'm going to be a pop music journalist and radio host now. <laughs> and so even then, you know, up, up to the conclusion of the education phase of my legal career, I still had something else in mind. And, you know, the end outcome has turned out to be pretty happy, pretty settled with some of the caveats we mentioned earlier, but a pretty happy, pretty settled professional career that so far is going well until someone comes and really cuts this tall poppy down. (laughs) We'll keep marching along. That's so good. That's such a great note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, James. This has been great. Really appreciate you having me, Rose. Good fun. We did it. Yay. I have two main takeaways from my conversation with James today. The first thing that really resonated with me was how clear James is on his boundaries, 
Work is work. Social media is work. Family time is family time. I feel like having clear boundaries is such a secret to success and those boundaries make it easier to compartmentalize and prioritize different parts of our lives and help with our overall time management and sanity. The second thing is James's advice to just keep going and keep at it and that it is all worth it in the end. So much of our careers is about connecting the dots and I really loved the part of our conversation about transferable skills at the beginning and how his radio and rapping skills have really helped him to become a better lawyer and also provide him with plenty of skills to show up on social media. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I would be so grateful if you would please recommend and share this episode with someone you work with who may benefit from James's advice today. What did you enjoy about this episode? You can follow, connect, and contact me at Rose Inglis on LinkedIn or Rose Tinted Law on Instagram and LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy listening to this honest conversation and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities as to where your legal career may take you.